0: Hey, I'm Emma. Hey, I'm Zoe. And And we're roommates who read.
1: Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 42 of Roommates Who Read. This week we are going to be talking about the book Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This will be our final episode of our Pride Month Spotlight Boohoo, who June is ending. Um, and it's this, always
0: Pride Month in our home.
1: <laughs> and This will also be our last episode for a little while. Uh, July is kind of a tumultuous month in the Roommates Who Read household. Why is that, Emma? Soon-to-be households. Um <laughs> i'm moving you're also moving don't put this all on me
0: you're the one moving out of state yeah i'm moving to michigan we Um, could stay together but no you had to go educate yourself look i wanted to go to a good program very easily accessible we obviously know a lot about technology that's why i'm in law school and (laughs) we have a podcast about books because (laughs) we're really good with tech
1: The Book and the Bottle, they, the two of them who run the podcast usually dress up for the episodes, so you might see us in a little bit of, like, cosplay action. I've always wanted to cosplay, and I've never gotten to. I have absolutely no idea what to wear. I don't either. the thought of showing up to the podcast with the two of them absolutely terrifies me, because- Also, the two of them are seasoned cosplayers. Yes, they have- this is not their first rodeo. I have no clue what to wear. Um, I may be showing up as a reed, partly because I want to wear a fake mustache, so you might
0: see me and then stick on mustache. You could also just be Lou with her fake mustache on. Yes. I just, I don't care who I am, I want to wear a fake mustache. Just for Chips and Gigs. I think you should get one of the 2012 era ones It's like, a handlebar mustache, yeah. yeah. Or just get- draw one on your finger and
1: keep your- sunglasses with the mustache. Like, you can get a Hot Topic. <laughs> Don't tell I... me you had some.
0: No. Everybody pause. I... I have to find a photo.
1: Oh, God. That's so on for you. <laughs> that's Someone's so on brand. Hey, we got a cheers. Oh, shit.
0: Cheers. Oh, Wait. that was
1: weak. What are you reading this week?
0: I'm still reading Red, White, and Royal Blue. <laughs> I actually have not picked it up since we recorded our last episode. <laughs> I've been in a bit of a slump. It's been a hard week. But she did do the plot summary. Let the record show. And I wrote all the character summaries. Hold yeah, on. I'm, yeah. I'm
1: actually very impressed. It feels like we're in an equal partnership finally. Shut
0: up. <laughs> I carried the early days of this podcast. That's fair. What are you reading this week? <laughs> <I'm> Miss Comrade. <laughs> I'm
1: reading Blood and Honey, which um if you didn't know, <laughs> we'll be talking about the book in the bottle with in a few weeks. We'll <laughs> be talking about the book in the bottle with? <laughs> I'm talking about the book with the book in the bottle <laughs> in a few weeks. Um I need to get my acting my ass in here. <laughs> and your act together. Yeah. Make and much. your fake mustache on. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> the cosplay. I'm just We're still on that? Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, stay tuned for the costumes.
0: If anyone knows how to do a little French Renaissance look for cheap.
1: Maybe thrift.
0: Yeah, I bet Goodwill has a lot of courses. (laughs) 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 Anyways, (laughs) let's get back to the plot of this episode. Let's go into the plot.
1: Okay. Flow for this episode. I don't think we mentioned this in the beginning, actually. But this is going to be both a discussion of the the book and the Red, White, and Royal Blue movie. Oh yeah! So that's we're gonna true. do a summary of the book to get everyone kind of up to speed, and then we'll talk about our reactions okay. and like, general thoughts about the movie
0: because there hasn't been a ton of info about the movie. When you say that we're gonna do a summary about <laughs> the book, we're gonna do an in-depth, detailed plot summary. I may have I may have gone overboard. <laughs> Everything felt important. So, you know the flow.
1: We're going to talk about characters, plot, and reactions. Yeah, I was going for thoughts, but it's oh, fine. sorry. <laughs> Call and response, get it together. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Look, I can only do so much. The thoughts slash reactions will also include thoughts about the movie.
0: Good to know. Thanks. Yes, yeah,
1: that's what I wrote.
0: That was pretty hard, wasn't it? <laughs> Shut
1: up. <laughs> you.
0: (laughs) Do you want to talk about the
1: characters of this godforsaken book that we love so much? Sure. Do I get to start? Yes. No, I just Uh asked you so that I could start.
0: So the first character we're going to talk about is Alex Claremont-Diaz. He is the main character. He is... the. (laughs) Don't try to say the acronym out loud. (laughs) He's the son of the president, which makes him the first son of the United States. The (laughs) first... Say the quiet part inside. (laughs) So Alex, during this book, is 21. He's finishing his last year at Georgetown University. He absolutely loves being part of a political family, which we'll tell you a little bit more about later. Mm -hmm. He's an aspiring politician himself, and he really wants to be the youngest congressman that's ever been elected. Sorry, buddy, but Maxwell Frost has already beat you to it. (laughs) Shout out to Gen Z in Congress. Yes, Maxwell. (laughs) alex is also a very proud texan um and that's a really big part of his personality i have so many thoughts about this i'm afraid but we'll talk about that later at the beginning of the book alex is not aware that he's bisexual but like everyone can tell based on the way he talks about henry's hair like it's clear he's he's in his self-discovery he is But during the book comes to realize, after spending some time with Henry, that he actually has a massive crush on him. Mm -hmm. And you'll get to hear more about that in a moment. Yes. So, Henry, great intro. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Prince Henry, not just Henry, is the Prince of England and he's the love interest. He's also the main character, but the book is from Alex's Alex's, point of view. Yeah um henry is gay but he's closeted due to the pressure from his family and the pressure of the crown and just like the geopolitical situation and being like a very public gay figure is yeah tough. his
0: grandmother at some point in the book says that the crown or the public would never accept a gay monarch
1: yeah so he often comes across as across as very standoffish and kind of snobby i think that has to do a little bit with his like british personality whoa <laughs> um but also like the in the royal life and the public eye, yeah. you know that changes you Um, But once Alex gets to know the real Henry, he discovers that he's actually very funny and kind, and Henry really struggles a lot with his relationship with Alex because it involves him kind of, like, breaking free of the constraints that his family's put on him and, like, the constraints that the public has put on him. But even out of his shell, he's definitely still more reserved than Alex, um, and he's balanced out well by Pez, who is um, Henry's friend. Which
0: we'll talk about in a second.
1: Yeah, but I would also say that Henry, even though he's reserved, like... Him and Alex are kind of opposites in their personalities. And They're so two think... sides of the
0: same coin. And it, they make a really good pair because yes. of that. The next character that we're going to talk about is Rafael Luna. He is um, a U.S. Senator from Colorado. He's an openly gay man. And he's a really close friend of the Claremont Diaz family. Alex really idolizes Luna. He goes to his office a lot and hangs out. Their mm-hmm. thing is like bring each other a bag of Skittles. Yeah, And... Alex sees him as a close personal friend and mentor.
1: So the next character is June Claremont Diaz. She is Alex's older sister, and she's an aspiring journalist. Um, She's not as politically minded as the rest of the family, which is kind of a struggle for her because um, Alex and June's dad is also a politician. I think he's a senator as well. Yes, or so we'll was talk a about senator. him in a second. Um, So, you know. Their dad's a senator, their mom's the first president of the United... The first female president, not the first president. <laughs> their mom's actually George Washington. Um, so she, because she's not as politically minded, she feels the pressure of like, well, I'm kind of like the black sheep in the family for not wanting to be a politician, even though she's literally a journalist, which I feel like is only like a step away from being a politician <laughs> at times. Um, she also feels like she's not able to do a lot of hard hitting journalism um, because like the same stuff that she wants to write because her mom is the president and it kind of puts this strain on like her journalistic abilities but her and alex are very close
0: and their relationship is really important for alex throughout the book the next character we're going to talk about is nora holloran she is the granddaughter of the vice president and she's alex and june's best friend um the three of them are referred to by the press throughout the book as the white house trio mm-hmm. and Alex and Nora kind of had a thing in the past but it's really really far long gone over but they do like to kind of like play up to it in the press like early early maybe in one of the first chapters Alex makes a joke about how a couple of months before the book took place they had like rented a hotel room together ordered Mm -hmm. pizza and started watching reruns of the West Wing but like like, pushed on the bed and, like, yeah. made sexual noises so that people would yes. hear it.
1: They're trying to stir up, not stir up, but they... Like, they think it's funny. They lean into the press narrative that the press thinks that they're, like, this golden couple, like, yes. the president and the VP's, like, children, or grandchildren, Um, in the VP's case, are, like,
0: in this secret love affair. And Nora is bisexual. This kind of becomes important to Alex's self-discovery mm-hmm. journey later, Um, and... Nora is also this like super smart numbers person. She's like a genius. Yeah, she transferred from MIT to George Washington University during the presidency. So she was smart enough to get into MIT. So that's impressive.
1: (laughs) So the next character is Ellen Claremont. She is the first president of the United States. The The first first president. (laughs) She is George Washington reincarnated. (laughs) She's the first female president of the United States. and alex's mom i'm sorry i cannot get over you. <laughs> it doesn't all the men before her don't matter she is
0: the reset button on america barack obama no <laughs> ellen claremont
1: and when um cmq wrote this book the i think he, they started writing it like during the beginning of trump's presidency so it's kind of almost a reimagining of like if Hillary had won and we had the first
0: female president. <laughs> the first president ever. What would history be like? The next person we want to talk about is Oscar Diaz. This is Alex and June's father. This is Ellen's ex-husband. They're divorced. That's important. Let's also talk about the first female Democratic divorced candidate from Texas winning the presidency. Also, a white woman married to a non-white individual. Yeah, a Hispanic man. Yes. Um, so Oscar is currently a US senator for California. So, like we mentioned earlier, the whole family is very political. Yes. Alex included. Yes.
1: So the next character is Pez. No last name. <laughs> I didn't feel
0: like typing it, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's Henry's best friend. He's a very rich and philanthropic. He's extroverted, talkative. Again, like the opposite to Henry. And part of me wonders if like Henry's semi-attracted to Alex in the sense that he seeks out these like exuberant boisterous types because himself and like his upbringing didn't have that so he's attracted to that energy Hmm. that's just my pondering
0: the next character we're going to talk about is Zara she is the president's deputy chief of staff she's been working with the first family for a long time so she has a really good relationship Mm -hmm. with them and she's pretty strict and no nonsense and Alex is even like a little bit scared of her but like mm-hmm. not actually scared of her but in like a way that we he respects her. her yeah yeah he respects her a lot but it's really clear that she i'm sorry I have no <laughs> it's really clear that zara cares a lot about henry it's and june right <laughs> so the next character is son
1: um he is henry's Equerry?
0: Oh, I did actually look that up. Yeah, I think it's Equary. It's basically his assistant, like when I looked up the word, it was like a member of the British like Royal Guard that is basically the like assistant. So
1: it's like PR assistant. He's just like
0: his he's his bud. Yeah. He's his guy. But not a bodyguard. I don't know.
1: Zara and San are really important to Henry and Alex's
0: relationship.
1: And we'll talk more about that in the plot. Yeah. They're not major characters, but they appear, so we don't want you to be thrown off guard.
0: Yeah, and we'll say their names, you know, yeah, fairly yeah. frequently. Okay, you ready for the plot? Sure. Do you want me to start? Sure. Hiccups McGee. Stop this bright. Alex and June. Oh wait, wait, wait.
1: Pause. Okay. Can we talk about? <laughs> Sorry, the birth order of the British royal family okay, because yes. Henry is not the heir to okay, the throne. Yes, and I think that's important. So let's for the plot. start
0: with the Queen. I'm 99 percent sure her name is Mary. I have no idea. But the Queen. We'll start uh-huh. with the Queen of England. The Queen. She has a daughter. Her name is Catherine. Mm-hmm. Catherine was married to this guy, whose name I don't remember, who played James Bond. He was an actor. Yeah, he was the an name actor. Was James Bond. They had three children. Philip, Beatrice or B, uh-huh. and Henry. Henry. Their dad, dead. Yes. Unfortunately. He died tragically. Of cancer. Yeah. Not, probably... Handful of years before this book started. Yeah, not in the immediate. Yes. With past. two to five years. Yeah. So, Philip is the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. Beatrice, she's the spare. Mm-hmm. And she has been dubbed the Powder Princess. She has um, a cocaine problem, mm-hmm. but is better. Yes. And then there's Henry. Yes.
1: And I think Philip's in his like mid 20s. Um, I don't yeah.
0: really know. They're all under 30. Yeah. Yes. So, that's kind of the background of mm-hmm. this royal family. Mm-hmm. So, to open the book, Alex and June have to go to Prince Philip, who's Henry's oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to go to his wedding because diplomacy. Alex and Henry have beef. Yes. And it stretches years <laughs> back. Like, Alex, so this book starts, this book takes place in, this book starts in late 2019. hmm this book stretches back to the Rio 2016, or the beef stretches back to the Rio 2016 Olympics. I forgot about that. Because that's the first time that Alex and Henry met each other, and Henry was a dickwad. Because that's when
1: Ellen Claremont Diaz first won the presidency, and now she's currently in, like, a re-election campaign, right? Yes,
0: but during the Rio Olympics, if you um, think about, like, the summer, when the Summer Olympics happened versus when election season ends. Yes. She was um, just a candidate. Yeah, she was a candidate. But... Yes, she won in 2016. So, when they met in Rio, Henry was a butthole to Alex, and so Alex has had this beef against him since. He basically thinks that Henry's this just, like, pompous asshole.
1: I like how you said butthole, but then said pompous asshole.
0: I also said (laughs) dickwad a minute ago. (laughs) We censor ourselves. (laughs) So, while they're at the wedding, Alex gets a little bit drunk, not unlike some of your favorite podcast hosts... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he starts arguing with Henry. Alex does not want to be there. No, either. he really
1: doesn't. He's like, I can't let him go to this stupid fucking wedding for these people that I
0: don't even like in this stupid monarchy. And he goes to pick a fight with Henry. And I do think it's important to note that in the book, Henry is supposed to be a solid few inches shorter, or um, Alex is supposed to be a few inches shorter than Henry. Yeah. So I just think it's funny that he goes up to argue with him. Yeah. And Henry's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" But Alex is just getting really heated. And Alex ends up kind of stumbling because he's drunk Drunk. on champagne. We've all been champagne drunk. You know how that feels. And he pushes both him and Henry into the $75,000 wedding cake. Could you imagine? No. That's like two
1: years worth of college. I probably went to Carolina for almost $75,000.
0: But the the cake topples. They both end up yeah. on the floor covered in cake. And it is a PR nightmare, people. Crisis. So this incident is dubbed Cakegate. As all instances are. Yes. And the international press everywhere is talking about Henry and Alex's feud. Yeah. Obviously, this comes as a bit, a bit of a diplomatic crisis. Yeah. Like, a geopolitical crisis, some may say. A geopolitical <laughs> crisis. The third... Not the third. The, like far down the line, in line, to the throne, or to the the heir of the British throne. Yeah. And the president's son. Yeah. Have it, like, stumble into a wedding cake in front of all these kids. It's a feud. It's a problem. In
1: front of, like, at a royal wedding where there are obviously politicians and, like, dignitaries from across the globe. Because this is not an intimate family affair. This is
0: a geopolitical event. And the UK and the US are kind of buds. Yeah. Not only usually (laughs) so zara who is the deputy chief of staff Mm -hmm. she works with the crown to basically set up this entire stunt a pr stunt yeah about how alex and henry have actually been friends all along just best buds so in order to do this they actually have to start like spending time together as Mm -hmm. friends do they have to be photographed at events and yes so that people will like genuinely believe this yes and so the first of these meetings involves Alex going over to London to hang out with Henry and do, like, a charity visit mm-hmm. at a cancer ward in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Alex is absolutely convinced that he's going to hate it. And so in advance, he gets this, like, fact sheet about Henry mm-hmm. that's, like, favorite color, favorite yeah. movie, and there's all this, like, boring stuff. Yeah, it's, like, like the lamest thing yeah, you could possibly
1: imagine. I really,
0: I cannot remember off the top of my head, but I think that... The fact sheet said that Henry's favorite color is, like, gray. And so him, in order for him to learn this stuff, because it's stuff that a best friend should know. Yeah. Him and Nora and June turn it into, like, a drinking game. Mm-hmm. And Henry, or Alex, is convinced that he knows all of this. Mm-hmm. But also convinced that Henry is just this boring, yeah, intolerable piece of shit just, that like, he has to deal with. human being, yeah. But once he's actually over there and doing this visit, and he sees... The real Henry, and he sees Henry interacting with these sick children mm-hmm. and gets to talking to Henry. He realizes there's a lot more to Henry than his own perceptions. And also that a lot of the stuff on Henry's fact sheet is just like a blatant lie. Yeah. Like I don't remember what it said his favorite movie was, but when he's actually talking to him, Henry learns that or Alex learns that Henry's favorite movie is like one of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, which is not on the sheet. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Alex is like, oh. None of this is true. That's yeah. really interesting. Wow.
1: People are nuanced and have different personality traits and they portray to the rest of the world.
0: So after this, the two of them trade numbers because Alex is like, look, if we're going to be best friends, we have to talk. Yeah. We have to know things about each other. Yeah. And they begin to text more frequently. There is a really fun scene, and I don't want to tell you too much about uh, it because I it's such a pleasure it. to read that takes place around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And basically... Alex convinces them to this is niche American culture here for a second. <laughs> if you're not American, on Thanksgiving every year, the president pardons a turkey.
1: It's so weird. He picks between two turkeys.
0: Yes, and, and pardons the, one of The them. turkey that gets pardoned goes to live in a petting zoo for the rest of its life. Yes. But Alex convinces them to put the the prospective pardoned turkeys in his bedroom. Yeah. And There's just a really funny text conversation between him him and Henry. You have to read it. but Oh my god, it's such a good scene. As they're talking, they kind of become friends. And during Christmas, um, Oscar comes into town and has Christmas dinner with Ellen. And if any of you out there have divorced parents like I do, you know that when your divorced parents are in a room together, it never is like a fun situation. (laughs) So obviously that Christmas dinner is kind of tense. A yeah. fight kind of breaks out between Oscar and Ellen. An argument. Yes. Yeah. A disagreement. Disagreements. disagreement. And Alex gets really upset and like storms off to his room and calls Henry because he's like the only person that Alex wants to talk to. So they're obviously oh. like developing a bond and becoming pretty good friends. Yeah,
1: I would say after Thanksgiving it kind of picks up. Like Thanksgiving is a turning point in the friendship.
0: Cornbread knows my secrets. <laughs>
1: Not corn. Okay, so we're going to be talking probably a lot about um, niche American political culture in this episode, but one thing that the White House does, as the White House tends to do, is host a lot of parties, mm-hmm. and so the Ellen Claremont-Diaz White House has a annual New Year's Eve party,
0: which is hosted by the White House trio, and it's, like, yeah. kind of young, it's, like, pop celebrities, yes. you know, pop culture celebrities also like young and upcoming political people but like yeah, young diplomats like children of
1: diplomats it's yeah. like probably like 29 and under the gen z party yes <laughs>
0: which honestly white house trio put me on your invite list it sounds like a <laughs> rocking party
1: so alex invites henry to this massive new year's eve party that they have at the white house of the trio holds like zoe said and the two of them get to pretty drunk at this party so at midnight Alex and Nora fulfill their yearly tradition of a New Year's Eve kiss again because they're kind of like egging on the press about their fake and they're relationship. really good friends. Yeah, it's it's nothing serious. Um, and as so, it's a joke. And Alex has notice notices that Henry gets really upset and kind of like storms out into one of the White House gardens. I don't think he's in the Rose Garden, but like Rose Garden
0: adjacent.
1: He's outside. Yeah, it's cold. It's January. <laughs> it's
0: January in DC. It's chilly, and he's outside to suffer. But again. Champagne drunk. It's probably not that cold. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so Alex finds him. Not that I'd know about that. And
1: Henry ends up kissing Alex and then just disappearing.
0: Yeah. That's kind of Henry's shtick. We'll is, get there later. It is.
1: So after this, Henry doesn't return any of Alex's texts or phone calls for, like, weeks. And Alex is like, what the fuck is going on? This is my friend. Alex is kind of freaking out by panic, some may say. Cool um and then realizes that he is bi and he's kind of always been but just didn't realize and he goes on a few long walks with nora and nora being our bi queen is like duh you stupid bitch. yeah she's like
0: <laughs> there's literally like i just read it not that long ago she's like oh shit you didn't know you were <laughs> bi like the rest of us did. yeah and henry's or Alex
1: is like excuse me <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so the fact that Henry isn't returning any of Alex's calls, he is re- is really getting to him, and it's all that he can think about. He's, like, obsessed with what could have happened. Doesn't he kind of make up fake scenarios of, like, things that have
0: happened to Henry? I think that's later. Okay. But also, he's, like, like he's just really upset about that. Like, him and um, June go for, like, a run, mm-hmm. and Alex just, like, eats shit <laughs> yes. on the National Mall because <laughs> yeah. he's distracted thinking about Henry, Henry. and trips.
1: You know, some may call this um, an infatuation, a crush,
0: perhaps. Some may call it that. Not Alex. Not Alex. He's just confused. <laughs> and stressed. And kind of wants to kiss him again. <laughs> so, you know, luckily for our
1: biking, Alex, part of the PR stunt is that Henry has to come back to D.C. later in January for a state dinner. Um, so during the dinner, Alex whisks Henry off to a room in the White House. The Red Room the red room oh so that they can make out for a few minutes and then later that night henry comes over to alex's room and they um do the deed (laughs) (laughs) so he has written thanks thanks for reading the note um to my recollection don't in the red room don't they like hook up under a
0: portrait of like alexander hamilton it's either hamilton or jefferson (laughs) i can't remember it's just funny and alex the whole time is like they drop like a vase or something it doesn't break it's like but yeah they're all ruffled alex is like shit they have um shit there's a character that we didn't mention her name is amy she's like the bodyguard Mm -hmm. and alex is basically like yo amy can you like get us into the red room for like five because because the rest of the state dinner like after the the eating part Mm -hmm. they're gonna move into the red room yeah And so she's like, I can get you literally five minutes in the red room. Yeah, you have five minutes. They make out. Amy knocks on the door and is like, yo, time's Time's up. up. And they literally only have time to, like, put the vase back on the table. And, like, like, readjust their bow ties. Yes. And then people are literally coming into the red room. Yeah.
1: So after this, uh, Alex and Henry are just kind of hooking up for a while. They're sending very, very flirty texts back and forth. um, But they never spend a night together. um, And they're just trying to get to know each other kind of in like a non-physical way like there's a lot of texting and flirty banter and just what's your life like what are your goals and aspirations they talk about each other's childhoods yeah Alex
0: hears a lot about Henry's like processing of his grief and that kind of stuff they're in the talking phase the two of them start rearranging their like appearance schedules basically yeah so that they can hook up, like meet up yeah uh and hook up <laughs> yeah <laughs> like at one point alex goes to i think vermont or connecticut
1: yeah to watch henry in a
0: polo competition yes and then sucks his dick in the, the like, polo locker room yes yeah they both rearrange their schedules to be in paris for this climate fundraiser yeah, a i summit. think it's climate fundraiser it's definitely a fundraiser climate questionable i think you um right. but this time they hook up and they finally end up spending like the full night together mm-hmm. like Usually it's been, like, a get in and get out kind yeah. of thing. They don't spend the night together, and they just do this time. Mm-hmm. And up until this, Alex has really vowed that this relationship, whatever it is, is just purely, like, physical, just sexual. Yeah. But he's... has been Yes, he's recognizing that he has these feelings for Henry that he can't really name. hmm And also, Henry has been keeping all of this from June. Yeah. Like, Nora knows, but he has not told his sister. Yeah, and... Alex and June are very close. Yes. Not too long after Paris, June confronts him about sleeping with Henry, basically saying that she has known that Alex has had a crush on Henry forever. She quotes this one part, and this is what I was talking about when Alex is talking about Henry's hair. Mm-hmm. Al, uh, June had a mag, you know, those like teeny magazines that a lot oh, of us yes, had, like a Teen Vogue, J fourteen, yeah, one of those like, of grocery store magazines, um, and. There had been a picture of Henry in one oh of them my god. and June caught Alex multiple times looking at it, taking his finger and like stroking Henry's hair. Oh my god. So June is like, yeah, you have clearly had a thing for him for a very long time. Yeah, not just in the past like yeah. eight months. And she's like, it's kind of obvious that you're sleeping together. And he's like,
1: Slappy, sloppy, sloppy ho.
0: He's like, what? <laughs> and, um, I thought we were being discreet. She's like, you obviously have stronger feelings for him, like genuine feelings for him. And you need to act on that. You yeah. realize this is more than just a hookup. Mm-hmm. But Alex is super resistant to that.
1: Bye,
0: panic. Eventually during the DNC, which is the Democratic National Convention, mm-hmm. um, which is usually where, like, the next, um, The nominee for the Democratic yes. candidacy is announced. Right. Alex and his family find out that Rafael Luna, who is congressman that we talked about during the characters, that is Mm -hmm. a really good friend of the Claremont Diaz's- And a mentor to Alex. Yes. They find out that he is the running mate to President Claremont's opponent, a Republican. Yeah, because he's not a Republican senator. He's an independent. Yeah. And this is obviously just a really huge blow for Alex and his family. Yeah. Like we said, Rafael's a personal friend- to the Claremont Diaz's, mm-hmm. and Richards, who is the opponent, has made his whole campaign message incredibly bigoted mm-hmm. and racist towards Alex and his family, mm-hmm. like misogynistic towards Ellen yeah. as the first female president, but also racist I think you because mean the first president. Oh yes, the very <laughs> first president ever, but also racist towards Alex, June, and Oscar mm-hmm. as um, her children and ex-husband because they're Mexican American. Mm-hmm. Henry also hears that Raphael is the running mate to the Republican nominee Mm -hmm. and knows how much this is going to hurt Alex. So he surprises Alex by showing up at his hotel room at the DNC where the two of them talk. And the next morning they kind of oversleep. Mm -hmm. And Zara Mm -hmm. walks in. Henry is hiding in the closet. Yeah. And she finds him. Interesting metaphor. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) She finds him. Because that's not discreet. No. And um, she agrees not to tell the president until yeah. after the convention, but makes Henry go back to England. Yeah. She is like, freaking out. She's like, this is a PR crisis. Yeah, she's like, are you fucking kidding? Out of all the people. <laughs> you have to sleep with the Prince of England. So after the convention, Alex comes out to his mom as bisexual, and that's really not a problem it's for her. It's such a
1: low-key conversation. Yeah, she's like,
0: okay, cool, great, like, I'm proud of, of you. I kind
1: of wish you didn't tell me this during my re-election campaign, which, like, yeah, let me get to talk about that. That's a shitty thing.
0: Um, But then he's like, oh, and by the way, I've been sleeping with Prince Henry for seven months. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. She's like, this is a geopolitical nightmare. Crisis. She makes a whole nightmare. Or powerpoint she makes a whole powerpoint that like basically the gist is like geopolitics and your sexuality yeah like
1: this is a venn diagram that does not overlap right should not overlap i should say
0: and the whole like the whole presentation is just about how his sex life is a geopolitical crisis right now Mm -hmm. she makes him sign a bunch of documents that so he's been part of her campaign he's been working on her campaign this whole time yeah he's like an intern mm mm-hmm she makes him sign a bunch of documents that basically says he hasn't been misappropriating campaign funds to go get dicked down by Henry. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and then she kicks him off the reelection campaign just because this is mm-hmm. kind of a liability. And he's really upset about that. Yeah, I mean he this is his dream. Yeah. Alex then also comes out to his dad. His dad's very accepting. That's not yeah. really a problem.
1: Um. After all this happens, Henry joins the White House trio plus Oscar, Alex, and June's dad for their annual family lake trip to Ox Oscar's property in Texas. So if you remember, Oscar is a senator from California, and Ellen is from Texas, but Alex and June and their family grew up in Texas, and yeah. so Oscar has this property on a lake in Texas. It's actually, um, Lake Lyndon B. Johnson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so Alex is so happy to be with everyone. He loves this place. It's his happy place. Um, and he's thinking about the future and how. Perfectly Henry fits into that. Like Henry's just really calm around his family. It's just a peaceful being. Henry gets along with June weekend. and Nora. Yeah. Everything's hunky dory. But not for long. Nothing's ever hunky dory <laughs> for long in a book. So one night he gets Henry down to the lake with him um, in the middle of the night, and they're just kind of swimming and talking. Um, and he begins to tell Henry Alex begins to tell Henry that he loves him, and Henry starts swimming away. And then in the morning, Henry is gone. He's just Skips in the like, middle of no the night, like no
0: trace of him. Yeah,
1: and I think Henry has like protection, like a bodyguard or not the secret service. is there. Yeah, there, and so they kind of arrange for Henry to like whisk away in the middle of the night, which is so skeevy. Uh, it makes it was such a heart. The first scene. T- okay.
0: Oh my god. I was the first one of our friends to read this book, and when I read that scene for the first time, I was just like, uh, yeah. So henry
1: again after this whole situation refuses to answer alex and alex is obviously really upset like he was about to tell henry that he loved him and now the love of his life is gone and not responding like a ghost in the night yeah so he finds a love note um that henry had written for him weeks and weeks ago and decides to fly to london london to confront henry he shows up at the palace and is yelling at San to let him in and Sans like yo chill and so once he gets in he starts talking to henry and tells him that he loves him henry tells alex that he can't be with him out of duty to his country and alex says that um he'll leave if henry asks him to it's just it's a really hard like they have a lot of conversation or they have a long conversation about like duty and responsibility and the two roles that each of them serve and like how
0: could this even possibly happen and then they hook up But, like, as they're hooking up, Alex is like, I don't know if this is, like, the start of our relationship Mm -hmm. or if this is a goodbye. Yeah. So, the next
1: morning, Henry tells Alex that he's in and they're officially official. Yeah. And before Alex leaves, Henry takes off his signet ring and gives it to Alex. And Alex puts on the chain where he keeps
0: his house key from texas and this is kind of a big deal to alex we didn't say this in the beginning but alex always has this necklace on Mm -hmm. and it's a chain with his house key to the house that he grew up in in texas Texas. and it's like a reminder to him to stay grounded and just like remember where he's from keep home close to heart yeah yeah so this this part of the book is where shit really starts to hit the fan you thought this it was the third eye breakup but no no footage of henry coming to see alex at the dnc is leaked Dun, dun, dun. And people kind of start speculating, yeah. like, are Henry and Alex together? Are they an item? So Henry has to go on a staged date with June, and Alex has to go on a staged date with Nora.
1: Because I want to play it off that Henry was there to see June.
0: And later, the two of them are in a car together, and Henry is just freaking out and on the verge of a panic attack because this is, like, or this is, like, his biggest fear. Yeah,
1: this is exactly what he didn't want to happen.
0: Right. And... Alex goes to con- confront Raphael Luna about this, and he comes out to Raphael, and he tells Alex that Alex shouldn't have told him this because he's working for the opposing mm-hmm. campaign, and basically says to Alex that if he ever wants a career in politics, that he should just stay in the closet forever. Yeah. Then, okay. Uh, oof, <laughs> This is rough. So, Alex and Henry have been kind of communicating, not only through their personal text messages, but via email. Alex's campaign email. They've been having these risque, scandy emails on Alex's campaign email because he's a fucking idiot. He's blinded by love. So all of these emails that they've been sending to each other are leaked Mm -hmm. and the two of them are outed to the entire world. Yeah, they get published on the internet.
1: So, our two favorite boys have just been outed it made me so, like, that was
0: such a heartbreaking It part really to read. is.
1: Like, oh. Yeah.
0: The Ugh. thought of anyone being forcibly outed is just like. It was oh, so sad. And,
1: like, that was Henry's worst fear coming true. Right. And all of his hesitancies about dating Alex. Oh, oh, it was heartbreaking. Literally his worst case scenario. Yeah. So, after this whole situation, Henry and Alex get put onto lockdown and they can't contact each other, but Zara and Alex fly to London to see Henry. And at this point, Zara re- uh, reveals that she's engaged to San? Question mark? Yeah. It's like a little side It came side out of nowhere. Because Zara and San have been spending a lot of time together because Alex and Henry have been spending a lot of time together. It was like a very random side plot but very cute. It is cute. I love it. It was just out of, kind of out of blue. So Alex meets Henry's sister, B, um, and they have a heart-to-heart. And the morning after Alex arrives, Philip, the oldest- Uh, son ambushes henry at the palace and calls him a coward they also meet the queen and she is just like horribly homophobic to the two of them and says that the public will never accept a gay royal and then henry's mom threatens to go to parliament and in favor of her son and like talk about
0: like the henry's mom is in favor of just like being open and honest yeah also this is a really big moment because as you kind of learn about Henry throughout the book is that after his dad died like that's a really hard thing and like the heart to heart that alex has with b is b telling alex like grief has shaped henry and has it shaped will, their family yes and yeah. it will always be a part of henry and you have to l- learn to love henry even in this like place yeah. but after their dad's death their mom has been just like a shell, a shell of a yeah. person she inconsolable. has been So it's a really big moment. Yes. And I don't think I do enough justice to that in these notes. Like, it's a big moment for Henry when she stands up for him. Especially her mother. Yes,
1: Henry's mom threatens to go to Parliament, um, and the Queen eventually agrees to let Alex and Henry be in a public open relationship. Not an open relationship, but a publicly open relationship. (laughs) A public relationship. (laughs) Um, So when Alex gets back to the White House, Nora gives him where Alex and Henry are in the car together and Alex is about to, or Henry's about to have like a panic attack. Alex is comforting him and there are pictures of that moment that get leaked too. And then it comes out that it's Richard's campaign that has been following the two of them around. Which it's is also just a huge blow. It is. So after Nora tells Alex about Richard's and Raphael and all of that, Alex give a, gives a speech slash like a press release about his relationship with Henry. And Henry flies in for it, a base- and like basically, it's about how they're in love with each other, and they both feel very strongly about their duties to their nations, and how Alex's sexuality shouldn't be shouldn't impact America's vote for president because Ellen is still in the midst of
0: her reelection yeah, it's, campaign. It's-
1: so, like literally a month before the election. Yes. So after all of this, and after Alex learns the information about Raphael, Alex confronts him, and Raphael tells Alex that Alex has every reason not to trust him, but he isn't the one who leaked the info. So. Alex is kind of stuck in this rock and a hard place of, like, do I believe my former mentor and, like, the person that I really care about who's turned against me, or do I believe one of my best friends? Uh, Raphael tells Alex that he had interned with Richards a long time ago, and Richards has been inappropriate with him, like, had inappropriate, like, sexual relationships with him, and that a few years prior to the book, Richards had approached Luna with a folder full of basically blackmail. That related to those situations and that Luna only joined the campaign to finally expose the corruption and abuse that Richards had stood for. So it's kind of completely opposite to like what the Claremont Diaz's had believed this whole time.
0: Right. And Alex eventually ag- agrees to believe Raphael yeah. because, I mean, he's just telling Alex all this very perfect or er, personal information. <laughs> yeah. Like he would have no reason to make that up or share that otherwise. Right. So, Alex and Henry return to London, and they take a bunch of really cute pictures for like a magazine cover. It's so sweet. and while they're there, Philip comes to apologize for how cruel he's been, mm-hmm. and basically says he's had a falling out with the Queen over it. Oh, and yeah, Alex is that. really uncomfortable the whole time, but yes. like Henry seems to appreciate it, yeah, and B also reveals to Alex that Henry is doing charity work over in New York. Which means he can come live in America with Alex. And that was supposed to be a surprise, but B spoiled it. Yeah. And Alex is really excited. So election night finally comes and Alex is really stressed. There's this whole scene where he's like trying to decide what blazer to wear. Mm -hmm. And he's worried about wearing this one blazer because he thinks it's too flamboyant. And is worried that that's going to shape the perception of him. Mm -hmm. And he ends up just kind of upset like thinking about how worried he is about how his home state will perceive him, Mm -hmm. he ends up going with the flamboyant blazer. And Henry flies in. He almost misses election night. Mm -hmm. But he flies in, he makes it just in time, and um, and he's wearing this tie that has yellow flowers on it, which represent Texas. And the whole election kind of hinges... Like, if you've ever watched an American election... You know you call states
1: yes right? the states get reported as they come out and obviously states towards the west coast
0: report later because the polls close later the whole you have to win a certain number of yes. electoral college votes to become the president big states for that include like new york texas and california, california. and the whole election comes to hinge on what they're going to call Texas as red or blue. Mm-hmm. Like whoever wins Texas is going to win the election. Yeah, cuz it's winner take all for electoral college. Really. And after 40 years mm-hmm. of not electing a democrat, Texas turns blue for Ellen Claremont and she wins yeah. re-election. And Henry or Alex and Henry are so excited. Mm-hmm. They're so happy. Alex It's the cutest scene. Alex is so happy that he feels like he was really worried that him being outed mm-hmm. was going to negatively impact his mom's chances at re-election and that specifically in his home state yeah and that his home state was going to reject him yeah and to him this is confirmation that he's not been rejected
1: oh that's so cute and then they have their nice little scene and there's a happy happily, happily ever, ever after, after epilogue uh there's also an anniversary edition of yeah. white and royal blue where there's an extended it's an extra chapter. Yeah, it's like a bonus chapter about Alex and Henry, I think two
0: or three years,
1: maybe even later than that.
0: Not much later.
1: Yeah. Post-election, and the two of them are like living together, and it's just kind of a chapter, an extended chapter about their lives. Alex is
0: kind of like reflecting on their relationship. It's so cute. It's so, so, Am I so i wrong cute? with remembering that at the end of that bonus chapter, they talk about how they're about to get engaged or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah that's what happens oh it was so sweet and that's been released in the last year yeah okay do we
1: want to get into our reactions and thoughts about the movie sure okay so if you could tell we love this
0: book yeah so like i think i've said earlier i was the first one of our friends to read this book mm-hmm. i also will say as a straight woman I never expected a book about two gay men to make me feel the way I I felt about this book. Like, I was reading this book and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is spicy. (laughs) But I loved it. I made everyone in our house read it pretty much. Yeah, I think all seven of us read it.
1: And last year for our Pride Month Spotlight, we did an episode about Casey McQuiston in general. And we talked about Red, White, and Royal Blue... One last stop and I Kissara Wheeler, mostly I Wheeler, because it had just come out last summer.
0: Yeah, literally, we I think I finished the book the day we recorded the episode. Yeah. And I would say that Red, White, and Royal Blue is probably my favorite CMQ book. Always. I will say more generally about Casey McQuiston's books and Red, White, and Royal Blue mm-hmm. is that one thing I appreciate that Casey does is Casey is always really good about incorporating southerners mm-hmm. into their books like all three of their books the main characters
1: from they Georgia are Georgia or something like they're that. from
0: Louisiana I think oh just kidding they do really a really good job of southern representation yeah in books and that's something that I have had a qualm with like just in life yeah and in books in general is as a southerner I really hate being painted as like yes there's a very backwards sc- uneducated yes, representation conservative like yeah because that's not me, and that's not my experience with a lot of people in the South. Mm-hmm. It's not a monolithic culture, right? And I think that it's so easy to write off Southerners as backwards, uneducated conservatives. Mm-hmm. And I think the South is full of diversity of people and opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing about all of Casey McQuiston's books that I love that they do. Mm-hmm. Like Alex is a proud Texan. One yeah. last stop, August is from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I Star Wheeler takes place in Georgia. Alabama. Oh, Alabama. I don't know why Georgia is featured so prominently in my heart right now. I don't know either. But as a Southerner, that's just something that I really like to see yeah. Casey do. And I think they do it really well. Yeah.
1: We talk about it a lot in the I Castar Wheeler episode from last year. So if you want to hear more about that. Yes. And more about think, their books in general. Honestly,
0: I... I think that's episode three of this podcast yeah. is our Casey McQuiston episode. Oh, that was such a good book. All of Casey McQuiston's books are good to me. Yes. Even One Last Stop, which I know you don't like as much as the others. I know. It's just different. It's still a good book. It's just not... It doesn't hit the par for the others. I would
1: say about their writing in general, like, all three of those books are very different books, and they still tackle similar themes of, like, queerness, queer representation, coming out, like...
0: Homophobia. Understand- yeah,
1: Overcoming that. Yeah. And they... Ha- so, again, they have similar themes, but the book... The plots are vastly different between the three of them. And Casey
0: hits all of them so well. So well. well.
1: And I think that just is a mark of such a fantastic author and someone who understands their voice and understands their genre and like their audience. And it it just, they're a fantastic writer and I cannot wait to read whatever they put out. next.
0: I haven't heard anything about a new book coming out. They are currently in France. Mm. researching for cmq4 oh i'm so i just saw it on their instagram story this week so 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 excited they posted a little meme like a mime with a baguette in front of the eiffel tower (laughs) and it was like me researching cmq4 in paris or in france right now yeah and if you couldn't tell because this is a pride month episode all of cmq's books
1: are queer books but cmq is also a queer author themselves so we love the
0: representation and we love casey mcquiston mcquiston we love so, Emma, will you talk about a little bit? You did some more research about the movie itself. Yes. So, the movie is coming out on August,
1: August 11th, to be specific. It's coming out on Amazon Prime Video, so you can watch it with a Prime membership. I'm so ready. Uh, I literally cannot wait. This is the summer for the girlies in the gays. <laughs> like, Speak Now Taylor's version is coming out. Oh my God. Heartstopper yeah. is coming out this summer. The Summer I Turned Pretty is coming out in the end of july this movie is coming out in august it it is a summer for the girls and the gays i cannot wait (laughs) the movie is also rated r which spicy spicy. (laughs) and we've talked about this before like we literally had a conversation about this after dinner about how some book to movie adaptations i think certain networks or streaming services pick up book to movie adaptations better than others and i think amazon is It may not have been my first choice to do this, but I'm much more excited about the fact that Amazon is doing this book-to-movie adaptation versus,
0: like, Hulu or Netflix. Mm -hmm. And this book, let's be honest, would not be the same without the explicit content. Yes. I I would agree. So, I haven't watched the Daisy Jones and the Six series Mm. yet. Oh, it was so good. Okay, so you have, and that's produced by Prime, and that's a book-to-movie adaptation, so... how do you feel about their ability to do book to movie adaptations? Strong. Okay. I would say, you know,
1: we know Jeff Bezos, he has a lot of money, and Amazon Prime has a lot of money. And so I think they have the budget to do the book to movie adaptation. Well, I would say they did Daisy Jones very well. I'm not like the busy- biggest Daisy Jones like expert no. or stand. Like I read the book to watch the show. Like it had been on my list, but I wanted to watch the show. So I moved the book up on my list. And, like, there are some things that are different, but overall, it's very similar. The
0: things you've told me that are different, because I also read the book, Mm. they don't seem so essential to the plot that it's different without those things. for this
1: book, I have seen some things, like... Casey McQuiston has been involved in the script writing process. Which I really appreciate. In the production process. That makes me
0: feel better about how this is going to be produced.
1: But I have seen some things that, like, there are some differences. Like, I don't... I've seen talk online that June may
0: or may not be in the movie. I'm gonna be so upset if June is excluded. Yeah, I... I think uh... she's really important to Alex. And also, like... I don't know. I think her role as, like the member of the family that is, like, not yeah. the political, like, yeah. politically-minded individual. Like, that's, I don't know, it's just a balance in the family. Yeah, I think
1: she's an important character. So I'm interested to see how that will play out. But I think Amazon is well-equipped to take this on. Um, I have some thoughts about the casting and the characters that we could talk about, too.
0: I One last thing before we get just specifically to casting characters, but okay. I saw, so I follow, there's, um an instagram account that's kind of dedicated to the movie mm-hmm. it's like an official one mm-hmm. i think it's rwrb on prime some, mm-hmm. or rwrb like prime Prime in as a promotional account. yes yeah and they shared a story the other day that was basically like it looks like there's a movie companion guide basically that's coming out hmm. and i can't tell like so the it was a book obviously yeah and the no cover way. yeah way and the cover was, like, the actors, right? Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't tell if it was just, like, the book with a movie cover. Oh, I hope that they don't stop making the OG cover. if it was, like, book that was edited with the movie edition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, with the changes I to that. the movie. I'll have to look it up. It, just the, the way they called it, like, the movie companion or something. It was something yeah. like that. They just kind of threw me off, and it didn't just look like a regular. It didn't seem to me like a regular book. Yeah, because with like the movie cover, Daisy Joes and the Six,
1: they just printed the book with the yeah the cover of the movie. Of, yeah,
0: like, The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. There are editions that have Shailene Woodley and
1: Ansel Algoro. Okay, now to talk more specifically about the characters and the casting. I know when the two of us first saw it because we've been keeping up with this like since the movie announcement
0: when the two of us first saw the casting, we were not jazzed to say. No, and we, I think we do talk about that, because when we recorded our Casey McQuiston episode last summer, Mm -hmm. they had just announced the casting. Are they really? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I can't believe it's been that long. I know, because we talked about it, and I remember, like, I don't think, like you said, neither of us were super jazzed. Yeah. But Casey made this, like, post on their instagram story Mm, i remember that was basically just like yo calm the fuck down yeah like i'm super involved with this i thought they were perfect yeah people were also and i think you're gonna get into this Mm -hmm. in a second but people were kind of demanding to know whether or not these actors were queer actors i have a lot of thoughts about this. (laughs) and casey was like that's literally none of your business and trust me Yeah. Yeah. I will say, for my personal opinion of the actors now, the guy who plays Henry, now that I've seen him with blonde hair, I like him a little bit more as Henry. I think, and maybe it's just the Britishness, but I think he does a really good job looking very reserved, very uncomfortable a lot of the time, which is kind of how I imagine Henry. (laughs) In the nine photos that we've seen. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. He's a little uncomfortable like stance and face that's how i imagine henry there's a still from the
1: movie that they released as like a promo still of him having a conversation with b and you can see like
0: fist clench very tense the body language is very like i think he's doing a good job at kind of encompassing henry's energy from what i've seen i think the guy who plays alex he Especially like the face and his curly hair Mm -hmm. is very much what I imagined for Alex initially. He is a, he is exactly how I imagine Alex. He gives off energy that he's a little cocky, a little bit of an ass. Yeah,
1: a little arrogant,
0: a little like goofy, but like an asshole in kind of a cute way, you know, where you don't mind it as much. Like you just roll your eyes, right? Yeah. The only, literally, my only qualm with him is that in the book, Alex is supposed to be shorter than Henry taylor's a us, is taller than the guy who plays henry like yeah. that's really not a big deal to me but i do love my short king alex we love alex even though he's a little
1: insufferable at times yeah <laughs> i think when we first saw the casting not super jazz but since the promo shots have come out like they released the uh movie poster and then like a, a f- just a few stills. yeah a few stills there's no trailer that's out
0: unfortunately i would love
1: a trailer they were teasing it last week, so I think we might oh, get one soon. I hope so. I feel like to be lovers, you need to be buddies a little bit. Like, I want the raw sexual tension of we
0: hate each other so much that we have sex sure, under Hamilton's portrait. I'm sure that you will get it in the movie.
1: Yes, But I, I hope think,
0: so. here's the thing, is I don't think, no matter what their sexualities are, that they're in love in real life. Yes, I know, I know. So I think that in real life, they're probably just friends. It's not, like, the pining eyes that I wanted. Yeah. It's not the raw sexual tension.
1: Yeah. So there has been some discourse online, and like Zoe mentioned, and in the book community about queer actors playing queer characters. And I have some thoughts. I have... I'm of two minds of this situation. I don't really know how to reconcile it. Because on one hand, I think, like, yes, queer actors deserve the recognition, the representation in queer roles... But at the same time, the queer community has had to fight a really long time to even have something like this made. Like, if you had told people 40 years ago that you were going to have a queer love story between the first president, like, the first female president of the United States, her son, and the Queen of England, people. The Prince of England? Yeah, the Prince of England. (laughs) Henry, the real Queen of England. (laughs) Like, we have worked so hard as a group and as a community to get recognition and like the societal like our society is so much more progressed even though it has all of the flaws and I think we're sliding backwards. But if you not even think we like, are this would not have been possible in 2010. No. And so the fact that this movie is getting made at all, I think in itself is a form of queer representation when whether or not queer actors are playing it is I really go back and forth because. Part of me is like, well, both of these, the two main characters, like the actors who are playing these characters, are relatively unknown. Like I know the guy who's playing Alex. I can't remember his name. Toza
0: Carprest. He is in the Kissing Booth. Yes, three, I think. He's in multiple of them. I think he's in two of the movies. He's probably in two and three then, because I've only watched the first
1: one and I yeah. didn't see him. Um, but the guy who plays Henry, I think, is relatively like until he does this, small stuff. Yeah, so. It's not like they're pulling in mega star power. Like, Uma Thurman's in this movie. She plays Ellen Claremont-Diaz, which, like, slay. But otherwise, I think the characters in this... Or the actors who play these characters are relatively unknown. So there would have been a chance to cast queer characters. But at the same time, this is something that CM- CMQ said. is like, these actors don't owe it to the fans right. to tell you what their sexuality is if they're not in a place to share that. So it's like... Back and forth, and I think back to the whole like Heartstopper situation, where the public became so like fatuited and obsessed with these with queer actors playing queer characters that they basically forced Kit Connor, who is who plays Nick in Heartstopper, to have to out himself when he was like not comfortable or not in a place to do that, and he came out as bi and basically was like, "Congrats, you just made a kid out themselves to the entire public because you could not rest until you knew the situation." It's, like, can we not be happy with the representation in itself versus, like, how do you tackle these conversations of people benefiting from queer roles and, like, queer representation when they're not actually? And I think there's a lot of conversations about that in media now, too, about, role, like, actors, musicians.
0: My thing is, like, kind of to the Kit Connor thing, like... Mm. I am not. I've never watched Heartstopper. Oh, it's so I don't fun. really know anything about like it, Kelly but I' wait for season two. As a chronic Twitter user, I remember when that happened. Yeah, and I remember being just very upset yeah, about that. Like a kid, and I just like personally, as a, like speaking as a straight person, I think that forcing anyone to just like tell you their sexuality mm-hmm. to justify what they're do like what they're doing is so hurtful Mm -hmm. to people who don't feel like they want to shit like I don't walk into a room and like announce that I'm heterosexual Mm -hmm. and I don't have to do that because I we live in a heterosexual or heteronormative society Mm -hmm. and so I can kind of like get away with that but I don't think that it's fair that like in order to justify every single thing that someone does Mm -hmm. it's like well it's okay that I'm playing this actor because I'm actually gay, like, yeah. Because I think that people, especially celebrities, deserve to have private lives. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I think in some ways that, like, the whole Kit Connor situation and, like, demanding that every celebrity that, like, plays a queer coded or queer character mm-hmm. tell the entire world. Yeah the people that they want to engage with romantically romantically and sexually mm-hmm. in order to justify what they're doing. Yeah. In okay. some ways to me that feels like such a chronically online oh yeah. Thing. Like
1: a it's like, oh well do you actually deserve to be doing this? Right. Like do you even understand?
0: And yeah. it's like maybe the actors playing Alex and Henry are not themselves gay or Mm -hmm. part of the queer community, but the fact that we're at a place where two straight actors are cool with, like, playing two gay men Mm -hmm. and, like, literally having R-rated scenes together should be a testament to the steps that we've taken as a society. Yeah. And the fact that this
1: movie can be made in the first place and it has a positive reception. And
0: I just... I get really frustrated when I see, like, demands that, like, people like these actors or people like Harry Styles, like, that they have to share their sexuality Mm. to justify what they do because I just don't, like, I think that they deserve to have that, like, private part of their lives if that's what they want. Like, I think Harry
1: Styles is a little bit of a different
0: conversation, but that's not part of what we're talking about now. I personally think Harry Styles is queer, so... (laughs) I think he is part of it. I just don't think that he wants to share that. Yeah. And I don't think that anyone should have to share that to, like... Yeah.
1: I think the moral of this conversation is that representation is representation. And especially in a society in the past four... Not even... The past, like, two years has been increasingly homophobic, increasingly transphobic, and increasingly violent towards the queer community the fact that like queer authors like casey mcquiston exist and that they can continue to publish their works and put out movies and content related to queer experiences i think it's just a testament to the fact that like there is this positive reception even though that there might be this narrative about queerness and how wrong it is or how like much homophobia exists in our society that we can that we can still have this, I think, is important. Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, obviously, queer actors playing queer characters is ideal. Yeah. But not losing sight of the fact that having queer characters as the focus of this, like, ro- rom-com, basically. Yeah, a rom-com. Is I mean, just one step forward. Yeah.
1: I was reading a, a Vogue article about the movie like as I was doing this kind of reaction section to see like what kind of media stuff I could find about it and they called it the queer rom-com of the summer yeah I think my other points here we've already covered but basically I've seen online and also through like the few articles that I was reading in preparation that it seems like Casey McQuiston has been somewhat involved in both the casting the script writing and the film production um and which is encouraging as a reader um and I think it really is yeah production has taken some creative liberties as we talked about like with June and maybe some other stuff and please god not june and not every scene in the book makes it into a movie like yeah that is true about all book to movie adaptations um but i hope that they stay as true to the book as possible because i i think the book's great and i think it's really fun and it's it's well versed for this modern setting
0: i also think based on the length of my plot summary you can tell that it seems like a lot of the scenes in the book are kind of like important to the development yeah of the later part of the book yeah and of alex's character I also like what you're saying, Sam Q being really involved mm-hmm. and how that's like promising as a reader. Like I, this book was Casey McQuiston's debut novel. Yeah. And it got great reception. And I think in some ways this book is like their baby. Yeah. And so I really, I mean, honest to God, I'd probably trust Casey McQuiston with my life. Yeah. And i do um, not being s- dramatic there. I don't but- think you sell the film rights to your baby novel easily. No. And I think that knowing that they're involved makes me more hopeful for how well this adaptation is going to be because like i feel like if it seemed like it was straying really significantly from the book or just from like the general vibes of the book that you know casey's there casey's on set Mm -hmm. they're really involved that casey would kind of be like yo this is you know this is really out of character for alex yeah this is really Against the plot. Casey like, has
1: the best understanding of Alex and Henry and like their inner psyche and how they wanted the characters to be developed. And
0: just the book as a whole. Like yeah. Casey is the bookmaster.
1: Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier too, so far Prime has not released a trailer, but they've released some preliminary photos, which made me really excited. I One know. of the photos they release is Alex and Henry covered in cake. It was so funny. Which, Hold up,
0: I'm gonna pull it up now. It's so
1: funny. And like it's not just, like, a little bit of cake. Like, it's a
0: lot of are covered in cake. I know during the, like, interviews that they've done recently, mm-hmm. they talked about how this was one of the first scenes they filmed was the Stop. cake scene. And how, like, the crew basically got to pelt them and cover them with cake. That's so cute. And they were like, yeah, everyone really enjoyed it. But I think they would have really enjoyed it near the end of filming. Yeah. When we, you know, had been annoying them on set for months. Yeah. Like, to get to pelt us with cake. But, you know, they had to do it at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, friends. Happy Pride Month. We hope you've enjoyed
1: this series. That's all she wrote. Remember, gay people exist outside of the month of June in general.
0: No way. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> and I live with one. What? <laughs> you're telling me you're gay the other 11 months of the year? Support the gay. in Oh, always. no. <laughs> uh,
1: this has been really fun. I love queer books. They've been a very important part of my coming out journey and my experience as a baby
0: gay. I just think I was thinking about this last night in the shower. This um, <laughs> is <laughs> so shower concerning. thought. From <laughs> I just am really glad that you guys have been on another Pride Month series with us because if you think about it, like I just mentioned um, earlier, mm-hmm. that our Casey McQuiston episode from last year is like probably episode three, yeah, maybe really. four of the podcast. And so this Pride Month series has been a really important part. Of the pod to us, like literally, since we started the podcast, like
1: it was something we were looking forward to doing again. We
0: started it in mid May, we started the podcast in mid May of last year, Mm -hmm. and you know, June was um quickly approaching, (laughs) and we were like, okay, so we have to do a Pride Month series clearly, and so we're really glad to be able to do that again, Mm -hmm. get to talk about more queer books with you, get to share more queer authors. Yeah,
1: Um, I've
0: learned a lot about
1: queer authors and queer books in the past year. It's a wonderful thriving community. Who would have
0: thought? No way. Crazy. Happy Pride Month. You're loved and valued on this podcast. So. Always. We'll see you sometime. In a few weeks. When okay. we're no longer roommates who read, but we'll always be roommates who read to you. <laughs> you don't have to know about the divorce. Oh my god. And don't forget, we're doing an episode with the Book in the Bottle in June about the Serpent and Dove series. ooh. ooh. I'm actually very excited for this. I'm gonna be honest with you, this is not as lemony as I was expecting. That was not what I was alluding to. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Memories! <laughs> Agony!
1: <laughs>